Welcome to the Carrots and Cake Podcast. I'm your host, Tina Hopper, an FDN practitioner, author, mom, and IBD advocate. Tune in each week for real-life advice and strategies for becoming your happiest and healthiest self, all while thriving in the gray area. Trust me when I say, you can have your carrots and cake too. Hey guys, good morning and welcome to this next iced coffee date. So today we're going to talk all about sleep. And so this is something that our clients struggle with. This is something that I have personally struggled with. And I'll tell you a few stories to see if you can resonate with what I'm saying. And then I have four major reasons that might be wrecking your sleep or might be screwing up your sleep. Um, and then some things that you can do um, to troubleshoot. Um, and of course, you know, if you think it's hormonal or stress related, you might need a coach to help make, help make, help you make some changes in your life. You know who to call. <laughs> definitely reach out, apply online. Um, we'd love to work with you. I mean, this is definitely what we do. We help women feel better and help them with things like sleep. Because if you are not sleeping, everything is worse, and I'm convinced of that. Um, so yeah, I'll I'll give you um, a brief his history of my sleep issues. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I was somebody that just didn't think they needed a lot of sleep. I mean, I remember even and not even not that long ago that I would be okay getting five hours of sleep. I'd be like, oh, that's pretty good, five hours. And like, that is not enough sleep for most people. And I mean, this dates back to high school, essentially. I mean, I was, you know, type A overachiever, you know, graduated, you know, third in my class. I was I was very studious and very ambitious. Um, so I put a lot of stress on myself and that meant for me, you know, playing sports year round and then coming home and having to write a paper or study for a test. And I would stay up well into the night and I would drink coffee. <laughs> I'm like, who was letting me drink coffee, you know, in high school, well, late into the night, but I would stay up to two, three, four o'clock in the morning, um, studying, working on things, you know, I needed to get, you know, the hundred, the A, whatever it was. And I put a lot of pressure on myself and I really, yeah, just wasn't sleeping. And I remember sleeping for like three hours and then getting up and going to school or even less sometimes. But I did that through a lot of high school and those same behaviors carried into college, although, College was a different stress on my body. It was, I mean, maybe it was me, maybe it was the people I was hanging out with, but it was kind of a work hard, play hard environment. Um, so I was studying, I was, you know, doing the work as far as my classes went, but I was also partying a lot. So um, in addition to staying up late for tests and cramming for midterms and finals and, you know, all that, you know, the typical college stuff, I was also staying up really late drinking and partying and not taking care of my body. So um, again, went back to just not sleeping great, not having a regular sleep schedule and and yeah, it just was not, not a great time in my life. Um, and then, you know, as I got older, you know, went into the workplace, working 40 hour weeks, all that, I guess my sleep got a little bit better, you know, cause I had to get up for work the next day and things like that. But again, I still was pushing really hard. And I mean, I had a full-time job 
you know, until I, you know, went full time with carrots and cake, but I had a full time job where I'd work, you know, 40 hours a week, but then I would have um, a second job. I pretty much always had two jobs. So I'd work full time and then I would go to the gym. I was um, a personal trainer and I would be there for a few hours, typically till close till 10 o'clock um, and then go home and then do the whole thing over. And I would wake up super early in the morning to go to the gym and work out and then work a full day at the office. But I did that for years too. And again, it was like, oh, five hours is fine. You know, four hours, six hours, you know, I just wasn't getting a full night's sleep. Um, and then I was also in grad school at that time. So again, it was staying up late for papers, you know, getting all that work done. Um, you know, the nights I wasn't at the gym and yeah, just pushing my body way too hard. Um, fast forward to uh, the design to fit years, 2016 to 2019-ish. Um, yeah, running carrots and cake, running design to fit, running new nutrition house software. I had a toddler. Um, again, just like doing 1 million things, not giving my body a break and being okay with five hours um, of sleep. That was kind of like the magic number. But again, you know, working out really hard, training for marathons, doing CrossFit six days a week, um, running these businesses, waking up multiple times a night with a toddler, you know, the usual things, you know, it was just a, it was just crazy. And I think at that point in my life, I was so stressed out. I don't think I was even sleeping. Um, it was just such broken sleep because my mind was constantly racing um, as far as like to-do lists and things that I was worried about and don't forget about to do this thing and worrying about X, Y, and Z that like my brain just kept me up all night long. And I don't even know if I was sleeping. Like I may have been in bed for five or six hours, but I don't think I actually, because my body actually fell asleep. I was so amped up with anxiety and worry and stress and whatever else it was. I just don't think I even slept through the night. I mean, it was, it was nuts. Just thinking back to that period of my life, <laughs> it's like, I don't even think I was sleeping. Um, but my body was just in such a stressed out state. I really couldn't relax. Um, and that goes back to, we'll talk about this in a second, but I was getting up to go to the bathroom all the time, like having to pee. Um, and that very much relates to stress and anxiety and maybe mineral imbalance, but I would be waking up to go to the bathroom every you know, few hours, multiple times a night. So that was also contributing to me not sleeping. And then fast forward to even more recently, um, 2019 to 2020, when I was doing Orange Theory, writing a book, um, finishing the FDN certification, um, having, I think I had 28 one-on-one -on -one clients all myself. It was before I hired any coaches to help me out. Um, so again, just kind of doing too much, pushing myself too hard. Um, so adding stress into this equation. And then also I had major blood sugar issues. And I'm going to talk about blood sugar and how that can affect your sleep. But um, yeah, again, not sleeping, waking up with low blood sugar, waking up with my stomach growling, um, again, mind racing, not being able to fully relax, again, sleeping four hours a night, five hours a night. And then I got into the bad habit of, you know, waking up at three in the morning, wide awake. Um, we'll talk about that in a second, why that happens. Um, and just getting up for the day. And I started work. I would just whip out my computer, started working at three in the morning. And I would do that pretty much every morning, like seven days a week. Um, even on the weekends. Um, so just doing a lot of not so great lifestyle things and then wondering why <laughs> I didn't feel well, why I had a hormonal imbalance, why I was a miserable human being. I also had like a lot of like moody, 
irritability, rage issues around that time. So no wonder, no wonder, like looking back. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my story in a nutshell. So I've definitely had phases where sleep has been really, really bad. Um, nowadays, sleep is a lot better, but I've also changed a lot of things. Um, if you've heard me talk about, you know, changing my life in recent years, I mean, I think the pandemic and my recent UC flares, just how sick I got, you know, once Intivio stopped working and Scalara and everything like that, um, I, I had to make changes and I did make changes. So now, I, I sleep a lot. Like I put Quinn to bed at eight. I go to bed at 8.30. I sleep till six typically in the morning. Um, so I, I get a decent amount of sleep now. On the weekends, I'll go to bed at nine. I, I rarely stay up past like 9.30. Um, there's gotta be like a really good show on. <laughs> or if we go out with friends, you know, now that, you know, this pandemic is hopefully winding down. I've been a lot out later with friends and things like that. But um, real, I really do prioritize sleep and I actually kind of enjoy it now. I think before I was like, oh, sleep is a waste of time. Why would you waste your time sleeping? There's so many things you can do. And now I just understand how important it is. And mood wise, I'm such a more stable mood person. I'm happy pretty much all the time. Um, it, it has made such a difference as far as, yeah, mood, energy, um, recovery, um, focus as far as work goes. I've just seen so many improvements since I've made an effort to sleep more and really prioritize it. Um, and a lot of it was, you know, just forcing myself to go to bed. You know, I mean, I think a lot of us get in that habit of just staying up, watching another episode of Netflix, scrolling on our phones, who knows what we're doing, you know, late into the night. And I did that too, um, for years. Um, and eventually just got to the point where I was like, nope, go to bed. <laughs> and just force myself to go to bed. Um, and thankfully I, I can usually fall asleep okay, but I mean, there were many times, especially during those design to fit years where I would just lay in bed for hours and not be able to fall asleep because my mind was racing um, like crazy. So I'll wrap up with my story, kind of get into it for you guys about like, what are some of maybe the possibly or possible contributing factors to why you're not sleeping and then what you can do about it. So I'll stop talking about myself, but I do like hearing stories from other people because a lot of times you can relate with what they're saying. And sometimes you don't even realize how bad the sleep is or some of the symptoms you're experiencing are probably because you're not sleeping or contributing to that lack of sleep. Um, so it's just nice to hear stories from other people. Um, I, I, I don't know, I can just relate on so many levels when some somebody tells me about their experience. So just wanted to share, um, you are not alone in your sleep struggles. I have been there <laughs> many times. And a lot of this sleep stuff goes on for decades. I mean, like I said, this started in high school. It's not like all of a sudden I had sleep problems. Like I had some really bad habits, <laughs> really bad lifestyle things that I needed to change. And if you're kind of stuck in this cycle, you know, maybe this podcast is kind of that wake up call or that push that you need to make some changes. Um, so you can sleep because like I said, if you're not sleeping, everything sucks. <laughs> That's the way I thought about it. Just everything sucks. Okay. So let's talk about this. So I would say the number one thing, what I see in clients and also myself um, for why sleep is not restful or not deep um, is that you don't have a sleep routine. And I know this is so annoying to hear like, yes, we all know we need a sleep routine, um, but we don't do it. <laughs> so hopefully this is your encouragement to do it. Um, but the example I give my clients is like, if you have kids, 
they have a bedtime routine. I mean, we, when Quinn was little, it was like a two hour process. Like now it's even like 45 minutes. Um, but you know, you take a bath and you get your jammies on and maybe you do some like lotion. Um, you read a book, you do snuggles, you tell stories, you know, whatever it is, there's like a million things that go into that bedtime routine. Um, but really like that whole process is winding that kid down. So they're relaxed for when they go to sleep. Um, because if you think about how we live our lives, how kids live our, their lives, you know, we're running around all day long, like lunatics, we're doing X, Y, Z. I mean, I remember myself being in the kitchen late at night, prepping food, making lunches, you know, cleaning the house, you know, doing all the things and then getting into bed and being like, okay, body, it's time to sleep. Like, of course I wasn't going to sleep well. Like my body and my brain were so wound up. And even if like you feel calm and like physically you fall asleep, your brain can subconsciously still be going a million miles a minute. Um, and that's where, you know, the worry and the mental to-do list and all that come in, but you really need to get the body to calm down physically, mentally, emotionally. Um, and nowadays, I mean, Quinn still has like a 45 minute routine where um, he gets to watch a little TV, um, he brushes his teeth, takes a shower, gets in his pajamas, we do a couple books, you know, we read to him, he reads to us, um, lights go out, we snuggle, we tell stories, and then eventually he falls asleep, but it's probably like 45 minutes and he's almost eight. So I think the same thing with an adult, like you probably need like a good, I don't know, hour to like wind down. Uh, I even have a wind down routine myself and it's, you know, I take a shower, I do all my face products and my beauty products. And really that's probably only like 20 minutes out of my night, but nobody comes upstairs. Nobody bothers me or not usually. Every once in a while, somebody's knocking on the door. Um, but for the most part, it's just like quiet time for me. Like nobody's bothering me. I don't bring my phone. I like totally shut myself off. Um, and then, you know, I'll hang out with Mal um, a little bit. Sometimes I'll watch TV, but recently I really haven't been. I just read, um, I write my journal and I go to bed. And, but like that whole process really does help me sleep better. And then of course you guys have probably heard this, but the environment where you sleep should be really relaxing. It should be dark. I have a weighted blanket um, that I absolutely love. It's the greatest thing. Quinn loves it too. Um, I share it with him every once in a while. I should just get him one, but weighted blanket's amazing. We have dark curtains. Um, it's cool. Sometimes we have a fan going. Um, I have the diffuser. Um, it really is kind of like a bedroom oasis nowadays. Um, and it helps, it helps me sleep. It helps me totally relax. But that whole process of winding down your body and getting it to a place to relax is really important because yeah, if you just jump in bed after, you know, doing 1 million things all day long, yeah, your body's not going to be in that fully relaxed state and you're not going to sleep as well as you can. So just something to think about. And I know it's hard to actually do the things as far as like that sleep routine goes. Um, but that's where, you know, having a coach is really helpful. And this is something we help our clients with. Like if you say you're going to start doing a sleep routine, we're going to ask you, did you do your sleep routine? Are you doing it? Um, because if you're not doing it and you're not sleeping, uh, no duh. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is why you're not getting the results that you want. You need to do the things to get the results that you want. Um, I was just talking to a client about this, but yeah, if you're not making the changes, you're not doing anything differently, nothing's going to change. So you need to be accountable to yourself. Um, but sometimes it's nice to have that extra level of support because at the end of the day, 
you know, your coach or whoever, me, I can't make you sleep. I can't make you start a routine. Like you have to do that and you have to be responsible um, for those actions. So hopefully this is a little push that you need to start some sort of sleep routine. Okay, so number two, the second reason why you're probably not sleeping is you're stressed. And again, this is probably a, yeah, no kidding, I'm stressed. That's probably why I'm not sleeping. Uh, but let, we'll dig into it a little bit. So the reason is um, your cortisol is probably high. And when your cortisol is high, your melatonin is low. So they have a relationship, cortisol is high, melatonin is low, which makes perfect sense. It's like that wired and tired feeling at the end of the night. And I hear that from a lot of women that, you know, they go all day long, they kind of have like that afternoon crash where they're like, oh, I could use a coffee or a little pick me up. And then um, they get like a second wind in the evening. And that's where they end up scrolling at night, they're on the internet, they're watching TV, um, their minds racing, and they can't fall asleep. And I have been there too. And this is kind of what I was talking about, of like waking up to pee all the time, um, very much goes hand in hand with that high cortisol, um, could be some more sort of mineral imbalance too, because when we're stressed, we'll lose um, some of those important macro minerals. So magnesium, sodium, potassium, um, vitamin C is roped into there too. Um, but making sure you're getting enough of those electrolytes is really important. Um, because yeah, if there's any sort of imbalance there, um, could make sleep more difficult. Um, and if your body's stressed, those minerals are, are gone <laughs> as far as like what's going on. So if you're stressed out, I would say, um, the bedtime routine is really important to really get your body in a calm state. But the other thing that really worked for me, especially with the to-do list, like running a business at times, running three businesses at once, I don't know what the hell I was thinking, um, but I had a pad of paper next to my bed and I would make to-do lists, like anything that was bothering me or making me worry, I would write it down on that piece of paper. And it was almost just like getting it out of my mind onto my paper would allow my brain to kind of relax and start ruminating on it um, because I would just be like, all right, you have to do this. You have to do this. Don't forget about this. And my brain would keep doing that. Um, so writing it down, getting it out of my brain really helped. Um, and then also, <laughs> this is going to sound kind of kind of goofy, but it really helped. But uh, visual, visualization and just picturing myself in a really relaxed state. Um, and initially, I think I talked about this at one point, the waterfall analogy from 10% Happier, um, where you picture yourself behind a waterfall and all of the water rushing in front of you. And essentially all that water rushing in front of you is all your worries and all your stress. And it's just passing by your body and then you don't need it. Um, but that's really where I started with visualization, just focusing on that waterfall passing in front of my face and everything, and just being that calm individual behind it, not paying attention to it, not letting it bother me. Um, but that was a really good visualization for me. And then um, in recent times, it has moved to uh, me camping <laughs> with Murphy, because he's always in bed with us. Um, and just, you know, being in that really calm, like outdoor setting where, you know, this you know, stars above and there's a cool breeze and you're all toasty in your sleeping bag and you have that sweet snoring pug next to you, but really visualizing 
a situation that's really relaxing to you and focusing on all those different senses and why each of those things makes you happy. So almost like centering your brain on something like positive and calming instead of letting all that craziness come into your head. Um, and obviously this is very much like meditation or breath work or something like that. I tried med meditation. I was doing a lot of those guided meditations um, from the Calm app. There's free ones on you know every podcast app that's out there. And I like those and they helped at times, but I just felt like for me, um, going along my own personal route, um, as far as what made me calm and happy helped a little bit more. So I don't think either one is right or wrong. It really just depends what works for you. Um, and then of course there are, you know, certain substances as far as supplements and things like that, that if your body is stressed out could help, um, magnesium I've been talking about a lot. Uh, I take magnesium glycinate. I feel like it's well absorbed. Um, most people do well with it and it can be very calming as far as the body and stress and anxiety. Um, so that's something I take it throughout the day. Um, but if you're somebody who really struggles with sleep, you could take a dose before you go to bed, maybe like an hour before, um, GABA and L-theanine or other supplements that can really calm the brain and the body as far as um, just that constant worry, that ruminating. Um, but some of those can be really helpful as far as just giving your body a little extra relaxation. Um, and then CBD is another one that's good for relaxation, inflammation. Um, I don't have a favorite. Um, some of my clients really like the Beam sleep powder. I'll, I'll leave a link to that if you guys want to check it out and grab it. Probably have like three or four clients who are taking that now and they all like it. So I keep recommending it. I haven't personally tried it, but it's a good brand they're local um, to Massachusetts. So I always give them a shout out, but um, it's kind of like this like chocolatey drink that you can make before bed. And it's got a lot of those um, different calming um, supplements as well as a little CBD. I do think it has a little melatonin in there that will help you sleep, um, but people love it. And it's you know part of their routine now, as far as bedtime goes. All right, so the next um, reason why your sleep might be crap <laughs> is um, your progesterone is low. I see this a lot on Dutch tests. I see this a lot as far as symptoms go with clients. And progesterone um, is very calming on the body. Um, you know, it's, I've heard it be referred to as nature's Xanax as far as how it can, you know, calm the body and you need to have enough in your system. If you're really low on it, um, you can feel a lot of that anxiety, worry, stress, irritability, things like that. Um, and progesterone, if you've ever been pregnant, is what peaks when you get or what increases when you get pregnant. And that's what makes us so tired in that first trimester. Like, I don't know about you, but I was sleeping, you know, 20 hours a day, you know, stuff like that. Cause I was so tired and it was because of the progesterone increasing in my system. So if it's low, you can feel not great. And I see that a lot. I see the estrogen really high progesterone, really low. And then of course, all those symptoms related to estrogen dominance, but that low progesterone could really be affecting sleep until so progesterone gets low. 
when you're stressed <laughs> because the body is not prioritizing um, reproduction. Um, so of course it's going to kill your progesterone and um, cortisol and progesterone have a relationship. So if you are stressed out, progesterone is going to be low. Um, I see this a lot too with um, clients who are over-exercising or under-eating. Again, those are stressors on the body, um, but it can be from a mental, emotional stress. Um, there's a bazillion reasons for stress, um, thyroid issues, um, gut issues. Um, but yeah, it's most common with anybody who's been over-exercising. I'll see progesterone really, really low. Um, and then really what to do, um, you could run a Dutch just to see where your progesterone is. A blood test might be helpful, but really testing um, after ovulation would be most helpful because that's when progesterone peaks. Um, there are other times during your cycle it's going to naturally be low. So if you can get a blood test, try to do it you know, five or six days after ovulation to see that higher progesterone. When we run the Dutch, we specifically run it during that period after ovulation to see, you know, how high or, you know, if you're ovulating, um, what your progesterone levels are. Because if you're not ovulating, you're not going to have any progesterone or your progesterone is going to be really low. So that's really important too, to make sure every month you are actually ovulating. And then of course, you know, if you know you have low progesterone, you could always supplement it in. So I use a product myself personally and with my clients called Pro Adapt. Um, it's really popular in the FDN world. Um, it's like a little dropper. I just put a few drops under my tongue, swallow it um, just in the second half of my cycle after ovulation, just to help boost up that progesterone. Um, and you can also use it topically on your wrists or your elbows or anything like that. It doesn't taste bad, so I just use it. But personally it has made a big difference. My cycles got shorter. Um, and when you have shorter cycles, typically it means you don't have enough progesterone. So um, your cycle just ends up being shorter. Um, so with the Pro Adapt, I have noticed that my cycle has gotten a lot more regular. I'm pretty much at 28 days, basic B cycles. Um, I have no symptoms except for me, you know, tracking my cycle to know when it's coming. Um, no cramps, no acne, it's incredible from where I used to be as far as <laughs> symptoms. I used to be a monster the week before my period. Um, and now maybe the day before my period, I get a little, a little sad and a little like unmotivated and things like that. And that's hundred percent from the dropping hormones. Um, but the pro adapt has really helped me. And I have clients who, um, have those periods that are like really short and then they're really long and then they're short and long and they go back and forth. And that's because they're probably not ovulating, but I have them on this pro adapt and their cycles have become a lot more regular. So it's always um, really exciting when somebody messages me and they're like, oh, my period was, you know, 28 days instead of like a 21 day cycle, a 45 day cycle, a 22 day cycle, a 43 day cycle or whatever it is. Um, the cycles become a lot more regular. So I'll link to my online dispensary if you want to grab it. It's a great product. Um, like I said, I've been using it. I don't know, three, four, five months at this point, you know, it could take a few months for your body to like really get used to it, but I've had great results. Even from the first month of using it, I was like, all right, there's something to be said and adding a little extra progesterone to your life. Um, but yeah, um, and really like the only way to know um, if your progesterone is low is symptoms because they can tell you a lot as far as low progesterone symptoms um, or, um, you know, running a, a test like the Dutch or something like that. All right, the fourth reason um, why your sleep might be junk is that your gut's a mess. 
Um, and you guys know I love talking about gut health, but 80% um, of our melatonin is produced in the gut. And melatonin is really important um, as far as what it does in the GI tract. Um, it helps regulate motility, um, gastric emptying, intestinal permeability, as far as like that leaky gut stuff goes, um, protects the mucosa against, you know, various irritants and things like that. And it can actually heal lesions in the mucosa. So like melatonin is really important. I think we hear about it a lot in the, the brain and, you know, making melatonin there, but it, it's also made in the gut and it's really, really important. So if your gut's a mess, um, could be something going on as far as dysbiosis, um, parasites. You guys know I love talking about parasites and parasites are most active at night. Um, so if you're having, you know, major sleep issues, could be parasites. Um, come talk to me. <laughs> um, and I actually like looking back at all my sleep troubles, um, you know, knowing that I did have parasites, like it kind of makes sense. And also one of the symptoms of parasites is teeth grinding. Oh, I used to grind my teeth so bad to the point where I had to get a retainer. Um, and ever since getting rid of these parasites, I don't grind my teeth anymore. But I thought that was really interesting because like during those really stressful times, like my jaw was clenched. I'd wake up in the morning, my jaw would be sore. Um, and yeah, I would just... Oh, it was miserable grinding my teeth the entire night. But yeah, I don't do it anymore. Um, you could also run the GI map. That's another great stool test just to see what's going on in your gut. But if you have other GI symptoms as far as like loose stool, bloating, gas, um, stools that float, constipation, um, those are all things that could point towards um, some sort of gut dysbiosis or something going on in the gut. Um, and if your sleep is trash, um, I would absolutely look at your gut. I think that is really, really key. And so let's talk about some reasons why else your melatonin could be low, because melatonin is really our sleepy time hormone. Um, and it doesn't actually like initiate, is that the word I'm looking for? Yeah, initiate sleep, but it more regulate regulates your circadian rhythm. So your wake sleep cycle. Um, so like I said, with cortisol, when cortisol is high, you know, at night, it's going to be really hard to sleep because melatonin will likely be low. Um, but for some reasons why melatonin might be low is the gut stuff, which I just mentioned. Um, but using blue light, and I know we're on screens all the time, and especially using them at night, it can really kill that melatonin, that natural production. Um, so wearing like blue light blocker glasses, which I know like are a little doofy, but they can help as far as that blue light goes. Um, just being off screens, you know, two hours before bed can be really helpful. I really try to put my phone away and I announce it to the whole house. I'm like, I'm done with my phone. I put it away and I try not to <laughs> touch it for the rest of the night, but having kind of a stop hour on the phone and the screens and all that can really help. Um, but yeah, that blue light can just kill your sleep. And I don't think we realize it because a lot of us scroll, watch TV right up until we go to bed. Um, so if that's you, um, that could be a major reason for why you're not sleeping well. And then related to that is 
um, a lack of daily light exposure during the day. Um, the sun light um, can again regulate your circadian rhythm. And if you think about like how our bodies work, there's something called the cortisol awakening response. So when we wake up in the morning, our cortisol increases, and most of our cortisol is produced during the first part of the day, and then it drops, you know, in the afternoon, and then it gets really low at night, so we can sleep. But if we're not getting that boost of sunlight in the morning, Morning with that cortisol, our sleep wake cycle is going to be a little bit messed up. And I see that a lot with women, especially the ones that are kind of night owls, um, where they have this like crazy cortisol pattern throughout the day. Um, so little things like just getting morning sunlight, you know, going outside for 20 minutes, drinking your coffee out there, walking the dog, going for a quick walk. I know it sounds kind of like woo and, you know, like just kind of out there, um, but it can help a lot. I mean, think about waking up in the morning when it's sunny out and, you know, beautiful weather, it gives you a little bit of energy and it like feels good to go for a walk in the morning. So I would lean into that if you feel like you're having sleep problems and really try to get sunlight like on your actual eyeballs. So don't wear sunglasses, go out there, no sunglasses, let that light hit your face can make such a difference. And I know it's so... <laughs> like woo to say it, but it helps. I promise. I promise it will help you just to help regulate um, your cortisol pattern throughout the day and um, initiate that melatonin at light at night. Sorry, I can't speak. Um, other reasons for low melatonin pathogens, like I talked about, parasites will kill your gut, um, will kill that melatonin. Um, also, what I see with clients is if you are eating a really low carb diet, um, because carbohydrates actually increase the availability of melatonin, um, and eating carbohydrates with tryptophan containing foods. So, like tryptophan, we often hear with like turkey, <laughs> like around Thanksgiving, and it makes us tired and everything like that. But the carbohydrates can make that tryptophan and other amino acids like that more available. Um, so it can really help as far as sleep goes. And that's why people always talk about how they get tired on Thanksgiving because of the turkey and everything like that. But um, if you're not eating enough carbs, it can really mess with your sleep and melatonin. And carbs are actually really calming on the body. So if cortisol is high, um, you're going to want to have some carbs to kind of lower that because glucose will increase too. So um, just making sure you're not eating too low carb. I mean, I see a lot of that keto and um, a little bit too low on like the paleo diet and, you know, anybody who's working out should have a decent amount of carbs in their diet. Um, of course, nutritional deficiencies can make melatonin low and make sleep miserable. Um, the key one's magnesium, like I said, very calming on the body. Um, B6, which is also really helpful for healthy hormones. You need zinc to make melatonin. Um, a number of these minerals are really important as far as being just the cofactors to make melatonin um, and just to have more of it produced. So figuring out those mineral deficiencies can be really helpful. Obviously, I run the HTMA. That could be a really good place to start. But at a minimum, making sure you're getting your potassium, magnesium, um, sodium, vitamin C, um, those are kind of the key ones. And then finally, um, another reason for low melatonin is low um, hydrochloric acid, which is essentially stomach acid. And when stomach acid is low, you're not breaking down your protein in you know, those amino acids that you really need. Um, again, goes back to that tryptophan, which you need for good sleep. And if you can't break down the protein into amino acids, you can't make melatonin. Um, so this has to go 
goes hand in hand with the gut health. Um, if there is any sort of um, H. pylori infection in the stomach, thyroid issues, we tend to see low stomach acid, um, but making sure you're eating enough protein and then making sure it's actually getting broken down, which is really important. Um, so these are all the things that affect melatonin and things that we talk about with our clients and we troubleshoot for them because yeah, if you're not sleeping, um, everything sucks. <laughs> Okay. And then finally, I have an FAQ. Um, I asked for your questions on Instagram. I got a ton of responses. Seems like a lot of people are struggling with sleep. Um, a lot of people reported not being able to fall asleep or waking up in the middle of the night and not being able to get back to sleep. And the most common question I saw, I probably saw this in 60 to 70% of the responses is that they wake up, can't get back to sleep, but a lot of people mentioning that one to three hour in the middle of the night or the two to four hour um, where you're waking up and then you're, you're almost like wide awake, like you can't get back to sleep, but like you have almost like a surge of energy at that point. And so in Chinese medicine, that one to three hour is actually known as the liver hour. And a lot of times when we're waking up, it could be due to some sort of like liver stagnation where the body is having a little bit of issue as far as um, detoxing or your detox pathways aren't um, fully opened, um, which could go back to hormonal balance, um, having too much caffeine, alcohol, sugar, processed foods, anything like that. But this goes hand in hand, um, with, um, or it impacts your blood sugar regulation. And a lot of times what I see happen is, um, our, our blood sugar will get really low those hours between like one and four that like middle of the night. Um, but a lot of times those, you know, wake ups are due to low blood sugar. Um, and essentially what happens is that your body works on glucose. And if there's no glucose or blood sugar gets really low, it's almost like the brain sends like alarm bells um, to the adrenal glands to produce cortisol. And when cortisol raises, um, uh, the liver will push out glucose to get the blood sugar back to a healthy, safe level. Um, but obviously the liver is involved in this process. And if you have low blood sugar at that point, you will actually feel a little bit energized in the middle of the night. You'll have kind of like this anxious, like awakening. Um, and it can be really hard to get back to sleep. Um, so a couple things that you can do for that. I've experienced this. I still experience this at times, especially if I'm like not eating enough or I don't have like a big dinner. Um, but it would be, you know, in the middle of the night, if you wake up to actually get out of bed and have snack. And I do this <laughs> every once in a while. And Mal will typically get up in the morning before me and he makes his breakfast and everything, but he'll find like random dishes in the kitchen sink. And he knows that I got up to have a snack, but instead of like tossing and turning and being miserable, like get out of bed, have a snack, read a book, calm your body down, go back to bed. And I mean, it works like a charm. I mean, it's annoying to get out of bed and like eat in the middle of the night, but otherwise I'm tossing and turning for hours and hours and I can't get back to sleep. So typically I have, you know, something with a little bit of protein, sometimes a little bit of fat. Um, sometimes I just come downstairs and eat like a spoonful of nut butter or two. Um, I'll have some like random meat that's in the fridge. Um, I'll have an egg. I'll make an egg in the middle of the night. 
<laughs> it just kind of depends. Um, but something that has a little bit of protein, a little bit of fat, and you could do a little bit of carbs. I just wouldn't do anything that's going to like spike your blood sugar because, um, yeah, it'll help you go back to sleep, but then you're kind of in that blood sugar spike, low blood sugar phase again, and it just becomes like a vicious cycle. Like a few carbs are probably fine. I just wouldn't do like like sugary cereal or crackers or cookies or something like that. Like, I don't know, like, I don't know, part of an apple or some yogurt or something like that. I think that would probably be fine. Um, but again, this, you know, try different things out, see what works best with you. For me, I feel like the protein and fat are kind of the key pieces. And then, you know, maybe I'll add some carbs in, but I physically get out of bed, eat a snack, go sit on the couch, read a book. Um, and eventually I get tired and I just go back to bed. So it works like a charm, but to prevent waking up in the middle of the night, have a bedtime snack. And this works wonders. Um, if I don't have a bedtime snack, I often wake up in the middle of the night. Um, so I really do try to eat the bedtime snack. It's just sometimes I'm not hungry, I'm feeling lazy. <laughs> it really goes back to feeling lazy, to be honest. Um, but I do a lot of times, like most nights of the week, I'm having some sort of snack before bed. Um, and with the snack before bed, I would say, balance parts of protein, fat, and carbs. Um, because like I mentioned, the carbs help increase the availability of the melatonin, which can help you sleep better. Um, so getting some carbs before bed can actually keep that blood sugar a little bit more steady, but you want to make sure you're having some protein and fat too. So you're not just spiking your blood sugar. Um, but some of the snacks I have before bed, um, just a little bit like I have like a glass of milk, I'll put a little honey and salt in there. That's really tasty. That's kind of like my lazy, like just, you know, have something quick before bed. Um, full fat vanilla ice cream. We love corn straw. We like always have it in the house. Um, just have like a scoop or two or that, like really like have some full fat yo or yogurt, um, ice cream before bed. I guess you could have yogurt too. Um, so delicious, um, but it will help you sleep better. I promise. Um, sometimes I do fruit and cheese. So I'll do like a sliced up apple and I'll just cut a few pieces of like cheddar cheese and eat it together. Um, don't bother with that low fat, no fat cheese. That is not cheese. I don't even know what that is. Um, I, I love ground beef just because it's like easy, but we usually have that. I'll mix it with beans and salsa, maybe like a little bit of avocado. So it'll kind of be like this salsa bowl, but I'll have that before bed. That's a good one. I, I do that one quite a bit. Um, peanut butter banana smoothie with some protein powder or collagen. Um, that's a good one. Again, it kind of depends on my motivation level at that point in the night, but making a quick smoothie, it's not, not hard. Um, and then I've done smoked salmon with like crackers and slices of cucumber, which is another good one too. And that one's pretty easy too, because you can just eat the smoked salmon with your fingers and it takes two seconds to put together. But typically I'll eat the bedtime snack I don't know, like 45 minutes before bed. It just kind of depends. Like sometimes it's an hour before, sometimes it's like right before bed um, when I'm hungry, it really depends. But I know myself, there's definitely times in my cycle where I struggle with sleep more. Um, so yeah, that second half, you know, after ovulation, I sleep like a baby. I got tons of progesterone, everything's great. I'm doing a little supplementation, all that sleep's great. Um, but then yeah, usually like the first few days of my period, sleep's not great. Um, if I'm super stressed, <laughs> sleep's not great. So it kind of depends, but the moral of the story is when your blood sugar is stable, you won't wake up in the middle of the night. So, um, make sure 
you know, you're eating enough throughout the day. I think that's really important. Having protein balanced meals throughout the day and then trying that bedtime snack, like give it a whirl. Um, and you know, not tossing and turning for hours and hours. I think that is miserable. And it's almost like you get more anxious about not sleeping and you get more frustrated because you're not sleeping and it pisses you off more. So then your stress is higher and it's just like this awful cycle. So like, don't lay there and just be frustrated, like get out of bed, go have the snack, read a book, don't watch TV, don't scroll. All that blue light will not help you. Um, but do something that's going to calm you. I mean, do, you know, five or 10 minutes of yoga or five or 10 minutes of breathing or, um, meditation or whatever's going to calm you. I mean, listening to a podcast, I think that's probably fine too. Um, but whatever's going to calm you and don't feel like you have to meditate or you have to do breathing. If like, you don't like these things, try something else, keep trying things. So you find something that works for you, um, and experiment, like don't give up after trying, you know, one of these snacks and being like, oh, it doesn't work. Try a different snack before bed, you know, try different things. Um, you never know what's going to work. And I mean, you know, maybe it's, you know, keeping record of it or keeping a journal and seeing how your body responds. But I really believe if you slow down and listen to your body, it will tell you what it needs. And I was that person, I would hear that advice and I would blow it off all the time. And I'm like, no, I need like a solution now. And obviously that's more of a long-term solution. Um, but I really do think like, paying attention to how your body responds to food in certain situations and listening can make such a difference. Um, so I hope this episode was helpful. Um, I know it's kind of based on personal experience, client's experience, and I threw a lot of ideas at you. And of course, um, some are going to work better than others. But again, I'm encouraging you to try to do different things. Don't just suffer through sleepless nights and being miserable. Um, there are things that you can do um, nutritionally, lifestyle wise, maybe some supplementation. Um, I just think there are ways around it. And I mean, I have gone through multiple phases of life where I haven't slept well, and I've figured it out. So just to encourage you to keep working to not give up. And of course, if you need help, um, we are here. We do this. Um, we work with clients all the time on their sleep. And of course, there could be a lot of root causes. I mean, hormones aren't technically a root cause. They are the result of a root cause. Um, but hormones can absolutely um, make sleep worse. The high cortisol levels, the gut stuff, thyroid stuff, blood sugar issues, like I've said. But this is where we really help women understand their bodies and figure it out. I mean, I'm not a doctor. I can't diagnose you. I can't treat you for anything specifically, but I will hundred percent be here to help you put the pieces together and find something that's going to work for you. That's sustainable and makes sense for you. Um, because everybody's so different. We need different things. And you've heard me say it a million times. It's never one thing and only you can heal yourself and you can figure this out. Um, but of course, as coaches, we are here to support that journey and help you figure it out. And that's all it is at the end of the day. All right, guys, um, I hope this was helpful. I hope you enjoyed talking about sleep. Let me know if you try the pre-bed snack or if you try getting up in the middle of the night, having a snack and going back to bed and seeing how it works. But let me know how it works out for you. Um, I'd be really curious. Um, we have a lot of clients doing this. And I think with like diet culture and everything. Um, this whole idea of like eating past seven o'clock or eight o'clock, we're all like afraid that we're going to gain a million pounds if we eat late at night. And it's not like that at all. I mean, you're having a snack, you're not eating like a big, heavy, 
you know, fried meal or something like that. That's not going to help you sleep. It's just a small snack. It's like half the size of your dinner. Um, and I, I swear it helps as far as sleep goes. I have been sleeping amazing lately as far as blood sugar levels, progesterone levels, stress levels. Um, it's a very different time in my life, but I can actually say I'm kind of a good sleeper now. <laughs> every once in a while I have a bad night, but I used to have bad nights every night for months. And now it's every once in a while. All right, guys, wrapping up. I hope you found this helpful. Um, and yeah, let me know how these things work for you.